Motown Rundown, ready to rock and roll. What day is it? Wednesday. March 24th. Well, I know it's Wednesday. We don't miss Wednesdays no more. March 24th, Motown Rundown, your home for all things Detroit sports. Gentlemen, it's great to see your faces. The weather is beautiful out today. The smell of baseball and peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Not a big Cracker Jacks guy. Also, no free ads, but it's in the air. How Has anyone it? ever ate a Cracker Jack? I feel yes. like that, like... Yes. No. I love that, yes, dude. Uh, that's, of course, how, you like that. Wasn't you the like spot. Cracker Jacks, Trent? Yeah. That wasn't the spot to be like. Does Has anyone ever eaten a Cracker Jack before? Yes, everyone has. They're just not good. Do you enjoy it? I'm just saying. No, I've no. Had cracker and they jack, get sold. I feel like it. they're sold for like six cents at the grocery store too. Oh, dude, I I love Cracker Jack. You guys don't like Cracker Jack? I feel no. like they like invent Orville Redenbacher invented popcorn. And we're like, okay, let's get rid of these Cracker Jacks. These things stink. Like, uh, <laughs> or it's just like, oh, you know what I mean? Or like, no sunflower seeds. These are way better. Like, I, who gets Cracker Jacks at a ball game? Is well, that, was that like a thing? No, Collins. I'll tell you, the guy that gets the Cracker Jacks at the ball game is the guy that brings his own like like radio with him, and he's got the headphones on, listening to the broadcast during the game. No, and no, he's no, keeping no. Score. I was going to say no. He's wearing no, like a, a, no. a short sleeve button down shirt tucked into some cargo shorts. Stop! And a belt. Stop! No, Socks that guy is getting peanuts, and he's getting them everywhere. <laughs> and he's he won't let anyone. He's got like a big Pepsi cup. He's got his peanuts, and he's just chucking them in there. Every after every like half in, he's at his own way in the store. He's like, Oh my, what is that? An E6? He's like, Actually, no, it's an E11 in my book. Like, he's at his own way of storing it. <laughs> yeah. I love guys. Like, that's like, I, that's like, Gibby is not the best like color guy for the Tigers. I love when he's like, when Shep or like, even when uh, Mario was it, he's like, hey, What did you uh, mark that in your book, uh, Kirk? Because he does a different way of storing it. He's like, actually, that's an E forty three. Or I'm like, what is? This? Yeah, he I'm leans like, over. He leans over. He's like, hey, you got pass ball or wild pitch on that one? Yeah, I know. I love that, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I've been on my, I've been on Instagram for the last two and a half innings. I'm not. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, Trent, how are you, Trent? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Are you kidding me? I'm doing some spring cleaning. I feel good. Classes are going well. Everything's rock solid, but Rabs, I think first order first order of business, we have to congratulate you on a fantastic hockey season Thank with you. my Wildcats as an assistant coach. Not good enough. <laughs> Novi <laughs> hockey strives for state championships, and that's it. Anything lesser yeah. than that, that's just not acceptable. Yep. Um, no, I do. I do appreciate it, Trent. I will give a shout out to the boys before we move on here. Um, what a great season. What a great season for the Wildcats. It was an absolute pleasure to be back at my alma mater, being able to coach. With Honest to God, I told these guys this in the room um, after the state quarterfinal game, which we dropped at Trenton. Uh, this was Tuesday night. Um, these guys, that group is going to be remembered as one of the best teams to ever come through this school. Um, so incredibly proud of that group. 12-3-2 on the season. Love is that, that good? I don't know. Um, regional champs, um, beating Stevenson in overtime. Yes, Collins. I know hockey's different for like public schools. What division is Novi in? Like, you know, is, are they in the OAA? Well, oh well, they're in the KLAA, and they we play in Division Two. Oh, okay. Uh, which is the heart? Which and I will take to my grave that it's the toughest, toughest league outside the MIHL, and it's the toughest division out of the three divisions, but. Um, tremendously proud of those guys. 12 seniors on our team too, who are absolutely wow. fantastic. Um, 
A lot what of turnover, sucks, not sure. Yeah, what sucks is that it was a uh, – I think this is probably the team to that, that could have easily gotten done, gotten it done. But you look at the, uh, the old Heartland Eagles over there who were considered the best team in the state all year. They lost their state quarterfinal game as well. So not always the best team is the one that's raising the trophy at the end of the year in my book. But, um, but yeah, Trent, I appreciate the shout-out. I love those guys to death. Go Cats, baby. Tremendous season. Go Cats. Yeah, go Cats forever. So that was that. What's Let it called? Before are we... you – we haven't talked about this, Rebs. I know yes. you were like – you were a head man for JV, right? No, I was an assistant on JV and varsity. Okay. So when you're you, – would you be on the I, – I think we might have talked about this. You're on the ice for at least one of those practices, right? Both. I never Okay. Missed. So are you like snapping it around on something or like, you know what I mean? Like you got like the Babcock thing going, you got like a hat on, you got the warrior jumpsuit. I'll tell you what blows is that for whatever reason at the high school level, you have to throw a helmet on, which stinks. But that's what part of the reason why I grew my hair out again was because it just looks great coming out of the helmet. Um, So the coaches have to wear a helmet. Yeah. It's brutal. That just looks. Yeah. It's terrible. But Ah. during, during JV, it was more, I, uh, here's the thing. I'll, 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 let me break it to you down this way. I have two different pairs of gloves, depending on which team that I'm coaching with. When I'm with the JV, I have like my nice black gloves and I have the whistle that wraps around the glove. When I'm with varsity, I throw on my game gloves because every, we have so many coaches up at varsity. I'll have to just like participate in drills and like be the passer to start drills off. And when I tell you, dude, like I snap the puck around out there, like it is like, it is Unlike I don't like state of Michigan. tape to tape, and I I always make the joke too. Like I think that ever since I stopped playing and started coaching, I've gotten so much better. Like my hands are better, my shots better. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I go. I just I just whip it around out there at the varsity practices. But I love it. We have our last uh, last skate tomorrow with Team Twenty Three, um, and I'm going to be putting my pads on for the first time since fe- last February before everything got shut down. So. Um, we'll I'll get see. you an oxygen tank. Yeah, we'll see how I'm moving out there. But <laughs> that is like the one thing about hockey. I feel like every like buddy I've had that's ever played hockey, they haven't skated in like three months or something. The first time they skate, they're like, "I can't move my legs. I was so tired." You know what I mean? Like, well, it just, you're the, just bad. The, the thing about the thing about hockey, for whatever reason, is like there's being in really good shape and there's being in really good hockey shape. Like you can run, you can run stairs, you can run, you can do sprints, you can do whatever you want to try to get your cardio to where you want it to be. But you go on the ice and put the skates on. It's a completely different world. Nothing helps. You just got to be out there and you got to be, got to be moving. So I'll just be making some, I'll be making some goal line to goal line passes and just probably not probably just floating at my own blue line and hoping to catch some guys coming, coming down on the rush. But I'm excited to get out there. It's been a tremendous Love season. Love those kids. Um, but, yeah, so thanks for thanks for mentioning that, Trent. I don't know if any of the boys are fans of the Motown Rundown, but. Well, they better be. <laughs> I'll have to let them know. They should be. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll get into them. Um, <laughs> what else is new? What's going uh, on? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably won't mention it, but I'll get into them. <laughs> <laughs> Trent, I feel like you've been quiet today. Well, he's in a great mood, I can tell. No, I'm, I'm, I'm piped up, man. Wait, no, what? No, he's not because LeBron's hurt for a while. Oh, LeBron, yeah. like this has been like a week long, like drag on TV. Yeah, and I had Illinois winning everything, so that uh, stinks that they're out. But that's all right. 
I'm Dude, having the tournament fun. was insane this weekend. It was. Is it? And it, you know why it is? Because there's no fans, or not as many fans, and these mid majors just come out firing, and they're not nervous at all. I realized. Yeah, oh, I want. I had March Madness on here to discuss. Oh well, then I, get into it. I disagree with that, Trent. Why, then what? I think the less fans there are, the more advantage the better teams have. Because, like, the whole thing when you go to a March Madness, I don't know if you guys have ever been to, like, the first or second round. I went to – I think the years they were at the Palace on Michigan and Michigan State were both there. When, like, Trey Burke was there, I think it was when they went to the national title game. And was it Gary Harris, Adrian Payne, Michigan State team that lost the Sweet 16 to Duke? But, like, if a lower seed is losing – at like halftime and no one has any affiliation to the team except a small like little portion, the rest of the crowd is going to get on the underdog. Know what I mean? Like I, they kept on saying that I was, I disagree with that. Well, I don't know. I just think in general, like these bigger schools are used to playing in front of all these people. And then I thought it was kind of the same thing in the NBA bubble, to be honest with you. I think that's why the heat made it as far as they did. Cause they didn't have to deal with the Boston crowd. And yeah. Like and I know, you know, the tournament's different cause it's always a neutral site and whatnot, but it is what it is. I just think it's a weird year, and that's the only way you can really describe it. All these upsets are absolutely wild. They completely screwed me over. I have six Sweet 16 teams left. Is that good? No, that's not good. So I, how, how are you guys doing, though? How are your brackets? Fucking horrible, dude. The Big Ten? Fuck the Big Ten, dude. Honest you know to God. The, wor- the worst part about it is <laughs> that the only team left is Michigan. That's the worst part about it. I got Michigan losing to Florida State in, in about three days here, but – Dude, like I, you know, I had, I, I'll tell you, I told you guys this when we talked about it. I had absolutely no feel for the tournament coming in. Like Illinois losing was embarrassing. Ohio State losing off the hop was embarrassing. Good that good for Maryland for at least getting the game. Iowa sucks. I should have seen that one coming from a mile. That was away. yeah, that was not good. I mean, they suck. Gonzaga, Gonzaga might win every single game by 30 points. I swear to God. Like, good for them for actually being real. But I mean, it just, just frustrating. I got eight teams right out of 16 in the sweet 16 here. Just an absolute embarrassment. That's two, that's two better than me. I think Collins is doing better than everyone because Collins picked Gonzaga to go all the way. I well, have I, the final. Well, I don't, what's it called? By the way, that Illinois, like Loyola Chicago game, Loyola Chicago was like better. Like it wasn't even like, they, they, like there was wire to wire. They were like better. It was bizarre. Well, dude, if I can, the committee sucks, okay? Because look, no, no, Loyola Chicago was great all season. They're not an eight seed. They went for this stupid, they went for that TV matchup with Loyola Chicago and Illinois. That's what they were going for. They got it. And it's just, dude, it's ridiculous. And Collins, I got to give you some flowers because you were exactly right on Illinois. Like they just kind of seemed happy to be there and be a one seed and everything. I, I took him the national title. So how, how right am I? <laughs> well, yeah, but you always, you always had that like opinion. That- I know. I know it, it, that was kind of like Ohio state too. Like there was like, we had a nice season. We didn't really expect this. I mean, that's a couple of years. Yeah. No. So I, it's just, it's, it's wild. It sucks in that. in the fact that like my bracket is done. So I I'm, I'm kind of done like keeping track of that part, but I'm still going to gamble on the games. It's really fun. Um, you can't beat March Madness. That four great, day great games this year. That, that four there's been some great games unreal. this year. Yeah, what's it called? I got Arkansas, Alabama, and Gonzaga in my final four still left. So in one of my brackets, I can't win because it's it's like a huge bracket, and there's so many different entries. If your bracket's not really good, you're not going to win. Other one, if Arkansas, Alabama, 
And John Zagger with the final four, and John Zagger wins it. I believe I win my bracket. Nice. Well, there you so, go. Got, here's my – I have I have a couple more things on March Madness before we move on to do what the show – the podcast is actually intended to do. Number one, I had Ohio over Virginia, and I was watching this game at Beerhead in Novi. No free ads, but I was at Beerhead. After the regional championship win with the Wildcats, I, I believe it was the same night. So I naturally I got a bucket to myself. So I was a little bit, you know, feeling myself a little bit. Love that. I had Ohio over Virginia. And my my message to anyone that's ever picking a bracket, do not forget that Virginia, I don't care that they won the national championship in 2019. They lost to a 16 seed. That team, that school, and that coach sucks. They will always suck. And anytime they are in the tournament from here on out, yeah, they won a national team. title two years ago. It doesn't Trent. They lost. I, I have never they didn't they have not it does matter. They won a national title. What are you no, talking about? It does about? not matter. They suck. That Ohio game was the easiest game I picked in the entire tournament. No, no, listen, listen. They also I, had COVID I, I, protocols until Friday night. That's what I was gonna say. Rabs, all the oh, people who here's is the world's the, smallest violin, Collins. Guess what? Guess what? Everyone taking credit for picking Ohio over Virginia. Good for you, man. I, I, I would also I also picked the school that hadn't that that had had a practice in the last seven days because Virginia didn't. I I think it's a little overblown. I'm not saying you, but a lot of people were Virginia like Virginia should have won that oh. game too. A lot of people were like tooting their horn for picking Ohio over Virginia. So Virginia Virginia's dead to me, even though I didn't pick them. Uh, Texas is dead to me. That wasn't um, good. Wait, and <laughs> Kansas, by the way, Bill Self stinks. Yeah, like just, just uh, talk and about wasting. Talk about wasting time. Just better than them. Watching that game stinks, Kansas. Did you I have, have Kansas? A, Is that why you say this? I have a growing yeah. list in my phone of coaches that I don't trust. Bill Self. It, it's, it's Shaka Smart, Bill Self, Fran McCaffrey, Matt Painter, and Tony Bennett. Those are the Dude, guys. No, the Purdue one was the most ridiculous one. The fact that Purdue lost yeah. in the first round was unacceptable. Killed my parlay too, ruined my night. Okay, I haven't. No, no, that's just like game. you're in Indianapolis against North Texas. You have one of the best big men in America, and you're not like, no, we're just not going to like body him down low with Trayvon Williams. No, let's just have Jaden Ivey take 25 foot contested three pointers. But whatever, whatever, paint crew. Love it. Boiler up. Win another Big Ten title and do nothing in the tournament, Purdue. Most regional program in all of America. Can't win a bet. Anyway, let's go to some Detroit stuff. We'll stay on basketball. Uh, Pistons talk. They're 12 and 30 as we speak. They're playing the Pacers right now, too, also as we speak. Um, I don't know what kind of updates you guys have lingering for me, but go ahead and take the reins, fellas. Uh, what's it called? Jeremy Grant. I What's it called? They're offered, what, two first-rounders or something like that? The athletic that was, reported Trump. That is the rumor. Multiple firsts for Jeremy Grant is the rumor. And and you know what, Collins, before I let you go, I just want to say if the Pistons turn down a, a, some kind of offer from like a desperate team like the Los Angeles Lakers, I, I, I'm i going to – my trust in Troy Weaver is really going to waver. That's all I have. Well, I, I want to hear what you have to say first. I really think – what's it called? The team that – the only team I think that's going to offer him would be like the Celtics maybe – or maybe like it, maybe a team like the Pacers, where they would like package Warren or whatever, or Lever, I don't know what they would do. You know what I mean? Like it would be like a really weird team that would want him, and it would probably be like mid first rounders, 
But we've always said, like, I always thought this deal was going to be like a flip and turn. And Jeremy Grant has wildly exceeded my expectations. And what's it called? I, it just seems like Weaver and them are like, we're fine. Like, we're not like the asking price is super big because we want to keep them. And he seems to be happy here. You know what I mean? Even yeah, though the Pistons yeah, stink, sure. like, Jeremy Grant is happy with his role here. Like, it might yeah, be different they, next year when, say, the Pistons might have an Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suds when he's like, oh, we're like trying to feature these guys in the rebuild and I'm not getting the touches that I want. You know what I mean? But like right now he loves life, but personally, I mean, two first round pits sound pretty good for Jeremy Grant. You know what yeah, I mean? No, I, and you know what? I, I'm going to reiterate my whole philosophy on this team. I don't think, you know, given the way that that Troy Weaver has handled things, in the, in the early going of this rebuild, I guess the first official year of the rebuild now that the Pistons have moved on from Andre Blake and Reggie and Derek Rose and all those guys is like, the, the, you, there's young talent that we love and Collins and I have come on here every week and we've talked about how great Isaiah Stewart's been. Killian Hayes is coming back soon, by the way, he's been cleared for on-court basketball activities. So that's great to see. So look for him in the, in the recent, you know, coming weeks. But I just think that the, in, in Jeremy Grant's, contract which is you know he is he signed a three-year deal and we're obviously in the first year of that i think by his third year by his contract year the pistons could be on their way out of the rebuild and that absolutely means that they could be a four seed at best five seed you know kind of climbing that ladder maybe not consistent real contenders but just you know a good team that's above 500 or hovering around 500 and gonna make some noise in the east but you know that's in the future so i guess my thing is like if that is to happen, I don't really know if Jeremy Grant is, is going to get another contract offer from the Pistons. So that's why, Collins, I say all that to say this. I agree with you in that if you are offered multiple firsts for Jeremy Grant, why wouldn't you take it? Because at the very least, we always talk about opening up minutes. And Jeremy Grant hasn't been a minute taker because he's been the best player, which has been fine. I like I look more at the guys like Mason Plumley, who's a minutes taker. But, you know, yeah. Jeremy Grant, if he's not on the team – that just means more minutes for Sadiq Bay and Sekou Demboya. And, and you know what I mean? So, and, and whoever you draft this year, you know, Evan. I, by the way, I mean, we can good. talk about this later. Sekou. Yeah. Panic button on Sekou has been hit maybe like two weeks ago. Like it's, I'm smashing the panic button on Sekou. Yeah. I, and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I mean, we won't get into that. But Jeremy Grant, since we're talking about the deadlines tomorrow, I don't think that the Pistons aren't going to move him. I really like, unless they get like, some like two first rounders and like Neesmith from the Celtics. Like I really don't see that ever working because I mean, the Celtics have that trade exception, so they could do it. They could like, you could have a weird trade with the Celtics, but I just don't, I don't see that happening, but Jeremy Grant turned 27 on March 12th. So he's at two more years on his deal. He'll be 29 when his deal's up. So the thing about it is if you're not going to trade him, what is the deal after going to be? And I know this is looking really far into the future, but like, what is, if you're not willing to trade him now when he probably has the most value he's ever going to have, because he has, he has two and a half years left on his deal. And for what he's played, like he's been pretty cheap after everyone overreacted for the Pistons overpaying him. So like, I, I I'm not a, like, they're not going to give him a max or anything, but are they give him another three for 60? Is that the plan? Yeah, I, I don't know, and that's why, Collins, I, I agree with you that if you get that offer, you got to take it. I, I also agree with you that I don't think the Pistons will do it. 
But him all- and Weaver, two good of boys. So, like you could tell they're yeah. boys. And and for all that you've laid out, you know, I, I actually I him being 29 and his contract year and the Pistons maybe coming out of that rebuild and maybe Sadiq Bay is your new big piece you're building around or something like that. I it, again, it's too early to tell with this kind of stuff, but counts you are absolutely right. His stock is not going to get any higher. So if you are having any inkling that you want to trade this guy, now's the time. Don't think it'll happen. But if I'm, if I'm Troy Weaver, I'm absolutely trading Jeremy Grant for two first round picks, because that is exactly what you, what you signed him to do in our opinion, Collins was to, sign and flip him and and he has completely exceeded expectations he's played his ass off should have been an all-star this year we all know how that went and he the, the value is there so i just think if you're rebuilding which the pistons are this is how you do that well i don't like i'm fine with them having him long term i think he's in, like the way he plays like he's not an above the rim type of guy. Like he's like he's a shooter basically. He comes off screens. He's a pretty good defender, and he's a lengthy guy. So I think he will, uh, barring injury, he'll be fine when he grows. Like going like, it's just I, I I never really expected the deal to be like I thought it was gonna be like three for Sitsy. Like hey Jeremy, you have a good year, whatever. We can probably flip you in year two. And, and, and we know you want to like a bigger role. We'll give you that and, and just know we might be willing to deal you in something. But like right now, I mean, he's been so good there this, at this point, it seems like we're fine. We're going to have him long-term, which is fine. It's just interesting. I didn't expect that when they signed him. So. All right. Are we done on Pistons? Yeah, that's, oh. that's all I have. I'm worried about Seiko. We can talk about that next week, but I want to talk about Hayes. Killian Hayes, come back. Everybody get excited. Well, I mean, if Hayes is bad, I mean, First of all, when you have to talk about Hayes, like if Hayes is bad, you take another point guard, right? But that, I mean, again, these are way down, way down the line, way down yep. the line. Yep. All right. Um, I guess I probably owe the people some wing stuff here, real quick. Um, no, no, no. Hold up, hold up. You don't owe anything to anybody. Yeah, come on. I mean, no, go ahead. Well, what's all, Rab, What Rabs? What's it called? Did you watch the? You see the guy get fired? The ref? Yeah, ridiculous. That was that was uh, booty. There's makeup calls in every sport. Like, well, I think, I, I think looking back, first of all, yes, you're correct. Like makeup calls happen. Everyone knows in any sport, like the refs control the game. And I'm not saying it from like a, like a point shaving standpoint. I'm saying it from a standpoint of like perfect example is like when our, I was, I'm thinking about our game against Trenton last night. Like there was a lot of like chippy shit after the whistles, like everyone's getting an extra shove in. If you don't nip that in the bud right away, like you, it, you allow it to continue. So I think to the point of, of the referee, I think his motive behind saying like, I wanted to give Nashville a penalty early was just kind of like, it's, you know, just a way to control the game and keep things like under wraps. And you set that you set the tone of, yeah. you know, like, Hey, you're not getting away with little chippy shit and, and ticky tack stuff the entire game. I think that referee too, like, in the great, I'm not going to pretend to be like one of those guys. Like I know every official that steps on the ice, like some of those guys are just knowing, Oh yeah, this guy's, this guy's bad because of a, B and C, but apparently in the grand scheme of things with, with his NHL resume, people are kind of not, not everyone's favorite official. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, but, I, but for the yeah. guy, the guy is supposed to retire after this year too. He's got like a month left of his. Of really? His, no, no kick rocks. But yeah, that was, I don't know. That was, that was weird. I didn't, I don't know. Stupid. It just, that's just how unfortunately today, today's society is, is like, 
you hear something like that, it goes viral on social media, and then everyone panics and they go, oh, "Better fire this guy." Yeah, like, hey, cancel, cancel the NHL, cancel. Yeah, yeah, cancel the NHL. Um, but the Wings right now, 10, 19, and four, still last in the Central Division. Um, they're right there with the Stars. The Stars now, I think, have only played four less games than the Wings. Bizarre how they go from being a Stanley Cup in the Stanley Cup final to just being absolutely horrible. Um, but there's that. Um, I guess other notes on the wings, the power play has been way better, which is fantastic to see. Um, I think that's the one thing that was like the you're like the laughing stock of the league because of how bad you were on the power play. Um, they've been a lot better as of late. Um, Dennis Chalowski today was moved to the taxi squad, which is awesome. I have to imagine a guy like him, potentially Gustav Lindstrom. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys that could get some time up here. Um, I know Rasmussen's been kind of in and out, Spechnikov in and out. So um, good to see that Cholo gets the call up because that's a guy that everyone's looking at like, hey, are you eventually going to turn the corner or are we going to have to get rid of you? So um, I think now you're kind of getting towards the time where you're going to start to see guys get a shot like that. Um, trade deadline is coming up, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think this is probably where the most of the conversation has been focused to when it comes to the Red Wings this year, because obviously they're not very good and their games aren't very fun to watch as far as guys that are going to move. I think the plus for you right now as a Red Wings fan is Sam Gagne's had a pretty solid year. Um, I'm not really sure what the, what the trade value is for him. I, I have to imagine it's probably lingering around maybe a third round pick at best. So any guys like that that you can flip for assets, obviously you will. Um, I don't know. Uh, Mark Stahl has been kind of thrown around as a name too. Um, which People if you can, still want Mark Stahl. Well, just 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 as a guy to have some depth and to, and to have a veteran presence in your locker room come come a playoff stretch. I I think with um, if you look at that trade, I mean, you get a second round pick for him just to take on his contract. If you can then go flip him for like a fourth round pick, fifth round pick. I don't know what um, you're you're probably going to have to eat some of his money too to make it work, which is absolutely fine. So. No harm, no foul there. The, the, the discussion that's really been interesting to me, I look now at two guys. I don't think you're going to see any interest for Darren Helm. Luke Glenn Denning, who's probably been one of the best face-off guys in the NHL this year, um, and just another sandpaper guy that you can stick on your fourth line on your penalty kill, um, and you know he's going to block shots. You know he's going to get to the tough, the tough areas. He'll mix it up if he has to. And, again, as far as face-offs go, you're not going to find a guy that's been much better this year. So, um, I would hate to see a guy like Luke Lendenning go. I actually, you guys can sire me for this, but I actually sat in on a Zoom with Jeff Glashill earlier this year when he was talking to a bunch of high school hockey kids. And the one player that he talked about in his Zoom was Luke Glendenning as a guy that probably he said one of his favorite guys to ever coach um, because of the way he plays and how hard he works. So as far as a locker room glue guy, he's, a, he's probably the epitome of that. I'd like to see the wings keep him around. Um, is a guy that doesn't really hurt you being on the fourth line. In fact, I think he's a huge asset to have playing bottom six minutes. Um, not the most skilled guy in the world, but he wins faceoffs and does a lot of good things, uh, a lot of things right, um, which is great. I think now where the conversation turns to as I wrap up Wings Talk today is what are you going to do with the goalies? Jonathan Bernier has had a very, very solid year, all things considered, because the Wings do not score goals and they are not tremendous defensively. So where everyone now is looking is, are they going to trade Jonathan Bernier? Which, Trent, I saw you had your hand up. Do you have a uh, question? I don't understand. I, I This is my only thing with the – you guys know, whenever I contribute to wings, it's always about the goaltender. Yes. 
Why have they not drafted one? Is there any – I don't – like, Rabs, you got to tell me. Are there any names I should be looking for in the farm system or anything? Because it um, seems like this has been an issue for the last three years, even before they got rid of Howard. It was like, well, who's the successor and, and all that stuff. So I'm just wondering, like, there's no plan there, which is fine because the wings are rebuilding. But isn't that – is that not a big hole you got to fill? Um, I think it, I think it definitely is the thing, the thing with goaltenders though, honest to God is like trying, trying to groom and develop a goal, a goalie is, can be risky business. I mean, you see, you see like Nashville takes Yaroslav Askarov and I think 11 in this year's draft, he did not look good in the world juniors at all. Goaltender development takes a hell of a lot longer than it, than it does for player development. So I think when you're in the wings position, the Wings, I believe, go into these drafts just thinking like, hey, we are very far away from having a complete roster that can compete. So our focus has to be on drafting skaters, not goalies. So to your point, Trent, um, I, I, I don't think that the, the pipeline for goalies looks all that great. Um, the one guy that I would look at is Keith Petrozelli, who plays, I believe he plays at Quinnipiac. Ah, uh, he was also, he also played for Muskegon, I believe in the USHL. I want to say that he is a finalist for the Hobie Baker this year. Um, he has absolutely tremendous numbers in the NCAA this year. So if I had to tell you a guy that I'm resting my laurels on, it's probably him. Uh, I think Philip Larson's the other goalie that played at the university of Denver who, um, and again, like young guys, like 20, 21, 22, who really the goaltender development like I said, takes, takes a lot longer unless you're getting an absolute stud. I'm just not a big guy. I'm like, let's, let's waste, not waste, but let's spend a top 10 pick on a goalie. Unless you're getting a guy like a Mark Andre Fleury, who's going to be a generational talent, which he was, and he went one, one. So um, that's, that's kind of where I wanted to take my conversation about the goaltending It's like at this, at this stage in the game, if you're the Red Wings, you have found yourself two goalies in Grice and Bernier that have shown you that they can put up solid numbers and they can play games and keep you in games um, in, in some capacity. The goaltender position is not one to be trifled with and that you want to just throw a young guy in there and hang him out to dry. You see some other guys around the league like the Samsonov in Washington, um, Georgiev in, in, in New York, and they also have Shesterkin over there who are two young guys who are just good, just flat out good, and you don't have anyone that's that good in your goaltender pipeline. So for me, I have no problem with keeping, I believe Bernier might be a free agent after this season. He's going to draw interest at the deadline because goalies get hurt. Things happen. And, you know, to, especially with this COVID stuff going on to have a solid backup goalie like that, it's huge. So he will draw interest. I just would rather honestly see the Red Wings, maybe sign him for one more year and you roll the balls out with Grice and Bernier one more time is you hope that Keith Petrozelli can make the jump and play some games in the AHL for you next year, which I have to assume he will. Same thing with Larson. Um, and, and to your point, Trent, yeah, I don't know. But it's a, it's a the, the goaltending thing is something to where if you have to, you can go spend some big money and get one in free agency. You can use some assets to try to go trade for a goalie. I don't think it's that pressing of an issue right now, which is why I don't think that trading Jonathan Bernier at the deadline is necessary. But you're right. I mean, that's that's where all the question marks are at this point. Yes, Collins. One quick thing I want to ask because I, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't watched a Wins game in maybe like two or three weeks. Or and I think like to a casual Wins fan like me and TB who are maybe we catch like 15 to 20 games, maybe a little bit more than that, but we lock in for the playoffs. 
you, you, when you think of the wins, like for me at least, I'm like, when are we going to see cider? Is that going to be this year or no? Um, I I don't think I don't think you'll see him this year. I don't think you'll see Valeno this year either, just because I think I mentioned it way at the beginning of the year. So the way those guys I, are I know they're loaned loan out. Right yeah, yes. but when is their loan done? Um, I I have to imagine that it's sometime soon because I believe that after they finish their their loan period out in their respective leagues, that they are eligible to come back and play. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see them this year. Um, but definitely Joe Valeno and Moritz Sider will make the team out of camp next year. Okay. If it's the last, if it's the last thing that, that, that happens while I'm on this earth, I have to imagine those two guys will make the roster. Um, as far as a guy like Lucas Raymond, depending on, I haven't really paid attention to his numbers right now on the SHL, depending on, on his development over the next year or so, that's a guy that you might see come out of camp and make the roster. I believe it's like either 10 or 11 games that you have that you can have a guy play with your, with your big club before having to make a decision. And if you send him down, it doesn't eat a year off of his deal or something, something like that. Not, not, not that it doesn't eat a year off of his deal, but there's something about him keeping like rookie status or something. I have no idea, but it's something along those lines of getting a little bit of a, of a trial period. So I have to imagine that he'll probably get that shake next year. This draft, coming up is I would love to see the wings pick like one or two, like for once in my lifetime, just because I would like to think there's a chance there that you could see. And that's, I think what's frustrating with a lot of fans is you see these other teams around the league. Like for example, Trevor Zegers got picked after more cider in the same draft uh, for Anaheim. And he's already playing NHL games right now. Now that's no knock on most, on most cider, but it's like, if you're, if you're a wings fan, you look at that and go, we could have potentially had a guy that I'd already be seeing playing games right now at 19, 20 years old. So that's where I think a lot of the frustration comes. You look at a Michael Rasmussen here, like, God, we drafted this guy ninth overall and he's barely scraping minutes in the bottom six. But like, yeah, that's just how it is. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to think that picking one or two this year can get you a guy like an Owen Power who you can plug in right away. And you like, oh, my God, here's this fresh 18, 19 year old kid that's already playing minutes. So, um. I, I hope that somewhat answers your question. I, I just think that that's the time is coming. The time is coming next year. Cider and Valeno, I have to imagine, make the team um, immediately. And I think that's part of the reason why they were um, put over on, on loan is so that they could get some more time playing pro hockey um, as opposed to these AHL guys who have had to wait months and months for their season to start. And these guys have already been playing in their season. So, um, if they can hopefully come back after their seasons finish up overseas and, and play some games for the Griffins or even the Wings, I think they'll be roaring to go, and it was the right move to make versus having to wait for that AHL season. So with that, I'm done with Wings talk. Um, I believe they play Nashville again tomorrow. Um, but other than that, do we want to do some Lions stuff? Is there any Lions stuff to do before we do Tigers? TB texted us and said he's in on golf now. Oh, yeah. I just want to hear that. That's all we <laughs> oh, have yeah. to do. Look, I, it was it was a little tongue in cheek. It was a little bit of a joke, but I, I'm starting. You know Are you what? Hammered when you touch that. That's definitely like <laughs> yeah. you have a couple pops, and you're like, "No, what? I'm in on him," which yes, I love. Which I, I love. love. And I was watching Jared Goff highlights on my TV from the Super Bowl run he made with the Rams in 2018-19. Here's my thing, though. I, I, I always, you guys well know, I always find a way to buy into this team. The schedule is hard as hell this season so they're not going to be good they're not going to be above 500 none of that 
But what I will say is this, Jared Goff feels the pressure. Jared Goff restructures his contract, saved the Lions $15 million. He wants to win. By the way, all the stuff with Brockers has officially been put to rest because <laughs> way blown out of proportion. And those two guys are – the media just wants to make a bigger deal out of stuff all the time. It's like the same thing with Tom Ezzo and Gabe Brown. Oh, there was a physical exchange. Are you kidding me? You can make it sound like they hit each other, but that's neither here nor there. Whatever. Jared Goff, I just want to give the guy a chance. I think he's I think he's still very good as a system quarterback. And I like given the way Anthony Lynn likes to run his offense, it's gonna be a lot of run, run, pass, run, run, pass. You have Swift, you now have Jamal Williams, you still have this dude named Carryon Johnson, who I really like and we all do. This is like the Carryon Johnson fan club over here. So I just I, I like the prospect of what he could be here. And at 26, he's a low-risk situation. The Lions were compensated for taking on his contract, as we well know, and we talked about it. They got two first-rounders for him. And I, I watching him do his little Instagram takeover with the Lions this, this past week, it just it won me over. That's it. That's all there is. He looks, he looks real nice in a Lions jersey. So I just want to at least see what he can do. I think – he might surprise. I think the Lions might go like six and eleven or seven and ten instead of being another top three pick. But that's all. I will tell okay. you, I saw they signed that Alex Anzalone or whatever his name is, the linebacker from New Orleans. And that is my that's my lion now. Just so we're all Oh my there. god. Of course that's your lion. Rabs that's so annoying. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I, I just, I, I mean, you're just like the prototypical. Like, I love the special teamer that, like, might might take long, out your knee, might the long clip you. Hair, the long yeah, long it, it makes a good special team play, like, once or twice, and then it has, like, two head-to-head contact hits. It's like, he's, <laughs> and then Rabs is like, bring in the energy. I'm like, this guy stinks. I was, like Chris Fry. I, was I hated Chris say, Fry. Collins, I was just going to say, when I was scrolling this morning and I saw that come across my timeline, I mean, it is what it is, man. He's a good he's, – he's a fun player, I is guess. Is he good? I don't think I, he I already, is good. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's a fun player, but I already know this you, – you take one look at this guy and you can tell he's going to have one boneheaded, costly penalty. Horse collar out of bounds with like 30 seconds left, set up a team for a game. No, and you know what? That's, that's, a, that's a racial indictment on a white guy with long blonde hair. That's no, I've hair. watched this guy play. Spicy. I'm saying – Spicy. Anyways, that's all the Lions stuff we got to talk about. Also, really like the Lions wide receiver room that they're kind of putting together. They're going for speed now. All these guys run under like a 4-3. Instead of they're going to draft a wide receiver. Well, yes, it does seem if that they, way. If they, they don't move, seven, out move out of seven. They have to, but again, we should probably – when is the draft? We should probably talk about that soon, right? Like, is it bad? It's, it's in April again, right? Yeah, it's like, isn't like it's like April twenty something. It's like I feel like it's always April twenty third. Well, it's coming up pretty soon. We should do our little draft preview thing again. We can do that. Um, but you get me and Rabs had Quintess Cephas in the fifth round. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. So did, did I. That. So did I. We all did. Crushed it. Yeah. I don't know about that trend, did you? Yes, I, check uh, the tape. Check the tape, yeah. Rabs. We'll see about that. Um, all right. Well, just like here's how the I'm big not stuff. sure Rabs was like first in the picks last year. That yeah. Well, crazy. that's a whole different thing. Pickscape. Pitscape. No, no, yeah. no. Me all and right. Trent were too lazy to go look bad at the old. No, show. I I corrected myself. I found I found my mistakes. I corrected myself, okay. but I still won. 
Uh, big stuff. Opening day at Comerica Park is on Woo! April 1st. We love our baseball team. Go get them, Tigers! So fired up. Uh, so that's like a week away. Week from Thursday, right? Week from tomorrow. Week from this episode coming out. Um, so with that, I guess we can talk. Uh, we can do our full-scale Tiger season preview. Um Little bits and pieces of news coming out about who's making the team, who's not. I, I believe today A.J. Hinch told um, Tarek Skubal and Julio Tehran. Is it Tehran or Tehran? I think it's Tehran. He was a guy Either who was in, he was in Atlanta, right? Yes. It's Tehran. great in Atlanta, too. For yeah, it's Tehran. Yeah, it's Tehran. Um, so two guys that were told they will be making the roster. Matthew Boyd has been named the opening day starter. I, I, first of all, I can't, I don't think I can like legally tell you guys to go bet money on things. I need to go find a prop bet about opposing team leadoff home runs, because I'm telling you right now on opening day, when you flip the channel to whatever, to Bally sports network or whatever they're calling this thing. Now, the first pitch that comes out of Matthew Boyd's hand is going to be in the Detroit river. I'm just letting you know, yeah, then the and second then batter, the second then, batter will do the same ugh. thing. And they're going to be down five nothing going into the into the second inning, and Matthew Boyd's going to get pulled after two and a third, and they're going to they're going to lose five to one. That's how that well, opening day is going to go. Well, I know Turnbull is on the IL, so he obviously can't be opening day starter, but it is demoralizing. Boyd is the guy. Because, like, like that, like really, like there's yeah, two, it, you, you know what's you get, happening. And like the, the Yankees inning. get to throw Garrett Cole out, like you're like, oh shit, I get to go watch Garrett Cole muck it up at Yankees. Like we got Matt Boyd. It's like, oh god, it's just like uh, it's it's a Shep on the call. It's like, uh, Boyd's fastball, it's flat in this first inning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let me just that. BP out there. Who would who do you want it to be? I'm just gonna. I'm well, just, it would be Turnbull. That was Turnbull if he wasn't hurt. Okay, well, I, I mean you yeah. can't put Scooball. You can't put can't put the two guys you kind of brought in in the offseason. Can't put Mize. So right. I it's, get it's why it's process Boyd. of elimination. I mean, this team. I, I mean, the thing that kind of sucks is when we looked at this. Uh, we're gonna go through this roster, and I, I mean, this could branch out to a bigger point as we talk about it. I really wish they would have done like something in free agency, like about their starting pitching just a little bit, like to put like some sort of stop gap between like the younger guys and these older guys, because I like on the fielding side of things, like I actually kind of like the Tigers a lot. Like if you believe in some of these young guys, I, it's just like, there's going to be days where Tigers are going to have to score like seven runs to win when Boyd's out there, when, uh, Who's the guy they got from Miami? Like that, Arminia. like, like, and then Mize and Scooble are going to be inconsistent. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, I just wish they had one consistent arm in this, uh, in, in this lineup. And Turnbull kind of was that last year, but I mean, he's injured. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, I guess we can start kind of picking through here about guys that are on the bubble and whatnot. I, I found this, I found this, uh, I think it was on channel four, um, just kind of breaking down the roster and in the projections of, of who's going to do what um, I kind of, I'll kind of go through, obviously Wilson Ramos, you sign him um, to, to bolster up your offense a bit, not a great defensive catcher by any means, but he'll make the roster. Jamer will make it still, still yet to be seen if he'll be starting at third or first, I think it'd be criminal if you play him at first base. Betty three seventy this spring, Jamer Candelario. Yeah. Is that good? Um, so Jamer will make, but Hey, let's put him at first base. It's not like he's a gold love level third base, but Hey, 
Just me. Right. Scope. Um, Parade seems like he'll make the roster too. Um, again, I, that's see, that's, so that's, is, this is now the conversation of like, what's your infield going to like, is, is, is Parade going to start at third and Jamer at first? I don't know. I, I think the big thing, the big question is where these guys play because Collins, you just kind of passive aggressively alluded to it. Jamer Candelario needs to be at third. But he's, I don't get it. I just yeah, don't no, get it. It doesn't make sense. But then you've also got guys like Paredes who can play multiple positions. You got guys like Nico Goodrum who, like, who knows if he's actually going to consistently start. You know, I the only thing, in my opinion, that's locked down is scope at second. Am I wrong? And well, I, think, I think Willie Castro will start at short. Okay. Yes. So, but also, I just realized that he's not 49 anymore. He's number nine. Castro? Yeah, I was watching a game today. And he had the number nine. Carlos Guillen. I love it. If that's – I could have been like, just like missed – like because I've watched three spring training games this year, and I never noticed that before. I like must have not have been watching closely enough. And, and I could be wrong. Maybe it's just like for the day or what they do kind of in like training camp when like a wide receiver wears number one. He's not actually that because they have too many players. But Willie Castro had the number nine on I was like, I love that. Love that. That's But true. I, I – I, I, so what you're going to say, Raz, about Paredes, do you guys really think he needs at-bats right now? Like, of all the guys you have in this lineup, do I really need to give Paredes at-bats right now? Has he proven to me that he needs at-bats? My, my question is, if you – if you let's assume let's assume your middle infield is, is Scope and Castro, and I'm actually absolutely fine with that, okay? And let's say you're going to DH Miggy, so which means you have to put someone at first base – and then you have third base. Are you? Would you rather have Jamer play third and God knows who else play first, or would you rather have Jamer play first and put Paredes at third? Why doesn't Paredes just play first? I don't get it. I don't know. I do. You're preaching to the choir. I think Jamer should play third I, every well, single day. Well, Paredes is a smaller guy. I know that. And he's not as athletic though. Yeah, no, I he's and I guess like I mean, if we're barbaric people, like. It's kind of like basketball in the center. It's like you need to have a taller guy playing. You need a big body at first base. Like at this point, like can we sacrifice a little defense at first base for like a lot more defense at third base? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like Jammer's fine at first base, but you're just like taking away what makes him, I think, uh, like possibly a special player because he could actually like do both sides. Like if he's going to be able to continue like his hitting streak like he has been and bat in around 300 or, like, 270 and play gold love third base. Like, that's an asset. That's a legit asset. And you're just limiting that asset if you put him at first base. I just, like, I don't think you need to, like, move, like, mountains to get Paredes at bats. And I don't think Hinch will. You know what I mean, though? I understand that you're like, who are they going to play at first base? I would be fine with, like, hey, maybe we'll throw Scope at first. Not Scope at first. You know what I mean? We'll give Scope the day off. We'll put him in a DH. Have Paredes play second, have Miggy play first in those situations. And then, other than that, you probably put Goodrum at first, even though I hate that. I would I much rather would see Paredes in the lineup. But if, like, has Paredes done any run at first base? Like, I haven't watched that many spring. I don't training. believe so. Yeah. So, like, I, that's like not that's happening. That's the thing. Like, we all, like, we all, I feel like we talk about first base, like, it's like, a, oh, we need a guy, like we need a guy to, to bat in the lineup, but just stick him at first. Like you have to learn how to play first base. Yeah, but like, what's there? Like, if you can play third base, you can play first base. I truly believe that. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's like I when mean, we say a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think they're all, I, 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 I just would hate if Jay, like, it's fine if you play Jamer at first for like, let's see, he plays like 150 this year. He plays at first like 25 games, whatever. I can live with that. Any more, anything more than that, it would be preposterous. Should be your everyday third baseman. That's fair enough. Um, to, to me, the outfield is a mess. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. I, uh, I it's guess a good it's, mess, though. it's, it is a mess, but it's a good mess because it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who you put out there. Cause like, in my opinion, Kristen Stewart kick rocks, but like well, he's done. He's yeah, been no, done. I, I, but like a guy like Reyes, who we were kind of talking about before the show started, like uh, he's going to be like your rotating outfielder. That to me is stupidity, but you know I, I guess there's a lot of viable candidates in the in the outfield. So Collins, I know you feel some type of way about that. Well, I just I don't understand bringing in older guys so you know who they are, and just like hey, Victor Reyes, we're your fourth outfielder now. After for like six games last year, would you argue he's maybe their second best player in the field? Like yeah, no, like no, I mean like best positional player. Like, he was awesome last year. He really was. And, like, he didn't strike out as much. He shortened his swing. He had a really good approach at the plate and drove in some, like, I feel like nightly it was like, okay, Willie Castro drove in a run. Reyes drove in a run. Did anyone else drive in a run? You know what I mean? Like, it always kind of felt like that when it came to the Tigers last year. And for them to just be like, okay, Mazzara, we signed you, so I guess we have to play you in right. Like, what is that? Yeah, that's bull. I do. I totally agree. I, 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 I think that Jacoby Jones, until he shows you a reason not to, for him to start in center field, you have to play him every day in center field. Well, Reyes, I think, was his best playing left field, but it sounds like that's where this Robbie Grossman will play, even though he's been dog shit at the plate this spring. He had a bomb today. And then, well, again, it looks like Mazzara is going to play in right. I told you, I think I texted you guys, Akil Badu is going to make this roster, and it sounds like he absolutely is. Um, I he, He's been pretty tremendous in, in spring training i think he's bad like 344 four homers yeah. i think he's got four homers collins go i will say this to anyone who wants to play a kiobadu over jacoby jones say it to my face and see what happens just say it to my face and see what happens the guys had like what like 50 at bats in spring training no major league at bats let's relax okay can we relax on that? Like, I, I'm excited about him, too. Hopefully, he's a nice piece in the future. But anyone – you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single him out, and, and he's in my group chat. Daniel Udicanzi, the king of the prospects. I, I'm going to tell him to listen to this portion of the episode. Relax, dude. He can, he can, he can kick rots in Toledo for a little bit before Jacoby, like, gets injured midway through the season. I don't – like, I, I – Akil Badu looks very good. I understand that, but, like – Let's relax here. Jacoby Jones is a center fielder this year. I just don't hear it anymore. But that's just the guy who I think deserves to make the roster based on how good his spring was. Um, That's fair. That is fair. That is fair. He'll probably keep, he'll probably keep a guy like, I mean, Derek Hill probably won't make the roster. I mean, his defense is is his best part of his game. Um, But I, he probably won't be making this roster. And Daz Cameron, I believe was, was hurt a bit in the off season. Um, and the fact that you can still play him in the minor league as a two-way player, like, go ahead. So he'll, he'll keep Daz Cameron down in triple A or double A for a bit, wherever they decide to start him. I assume it's triple A. 
Um, but other than that, I'm fine with Badu being your guy that's that's going to be a reserve outfielder. But that's also where Mazzara should be and Victor Ray should be playing every single day in the outfield. And I can't sit here and watch even a guy like – I mean, I don't think Harold Castro plays the outfield. I feel like he's uh, – Yeah, he played a little bit – I think he played a little bit of left last year. A lot of left, actually. I feel like that's all he played. But it's like Trent said, it's probably a good mess to have um, real quick. Unlike the catchers, you'll obviously have Ramos. It looks like Jake Rogers is just not making, making the roster. boy, Jakey. I mean, like they're going to, it looks like Grayson Griner's the guy. And last year, I've got an apartment in Toledo already. I, hope I will, I will admit that I was probably, I'm higher on Grayson Griner than everyone else in the world. I think last year I came back down to earth because he actually can't hit. So the fact that he's going to be your, your backup catcher this year, and I'm sure Jake Rogers will get some, will get some time, but like, my God, man, really Jake, like, I feel like Jake Rogers was supposed to be like the poster child of this rebuild and just at no point has shown you anything to where you're like, this guy can play every day in the major league. So other than that, um, that's all I have for position players until we do pitchers. So if anyone else wants to jump in on the position players, by all means, because I think pitchers is a whole, a whole other topic that we have to cover in its entirety. Well, what's it called? I wanted to mention Riley Green and Torque a little bit. What they did spring, Torque didn't look good at the plate. No, break no, out a it, ton, a ton. Yeah, no ifs, ands, or buts like that. I mean, is where it is. He just didn't look good this spring. I don't. I mean, he hasn't played baseball in forever. It is where it is. Riley Green been very impressed with. I think Riley Green is going to be on this team some point this year. I haven't looked at his contract really hardly, but I'm assuming there's some term stuff. But like he, I don't know if he's exactly like ready, ready there. But like you just see flashes of him where he just hits ropes. So I just wanted to mention Riley Green. He, I, I was excited every single time I saw highlights or any game I watched of him play in spring. Good. Trent, anything else? Position players. No, I'm. I'm just more. I'm mostly intrigued by the corner. Of the corner of the infield. Like I want. I, I, and again, I, it seems like we know what they're gonna do. But it's a long season. You know, we don't have any of this stupid COVID shortened season anymore. So you're gonna get a lot of looks. Gonna get a lot of different rotations playing with guys. I think you know AJ Hinch also has a tendency to you know pull guys in the sixth inning and just get guys run. And you know that's. I can't disagree. So, and it basically, no, to answer your question, I got nothing really to add. I just, I think we should talk about the pitching rotation. Well, we have to mention Miggy is in the best shape of his life. Yes. That you is- have to. Yeah. He's in the best shape of his life. Come on guys. We forgot to mention that. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Um, so I guess let's move to the pitchers. Um, we talked about Matthew Boyd's going to be your opening day starter. Scoop. Uh, we'll figure it out. However, Gibby says it on opening day. Um, two guys that will be in your starting rotation. Once uh, Spencer Turnbull is healthy, um, he'll be there probably as your number two guy, I have to imagine. Um, Urania will be there probably in your four or five spot. And Casey Mize, who it's, it seems like they've kind of kept under wraps a bit as far as what they're going to do with him. I have to imagine he'll be your fifth or sixth starter, which I'm fine with. Um, and you have to expect some inconsistency still from his game. The, the big things now – as you've heard me mention those names and you're probably scratching your head asking, where is this guy? Michael Fulmer and Daniel Norris are two guys who it's, I I, look, I will advocate for Daniel Norris being a starting pitcher until the day that I die. I love him for reasons outside of baseball primarily. And that's why I'm so high on him, I think. But if Daniel Norris can even have 
a piece of what he had last season um, for the most part. I think he will be an absolute weapon to have in the bullpen as a left-handed pitcher. Um, and then it comes to uh, Michael Fulmer, who it sounds like they're going to put in the bullpen, which to me I think is an incredible disservice to him as a pitcher. Like, I don't know why he, for a guy that was on a pitch count all of last year to try to get him primed to pitch this year. And now you're going to stuff him in the bullpen and not let him get innings. I think it's just, I think it's just stupid. I, I think he is going to get innings though. I think he is. I think, I think he's going to be your go-to not to cut you off Rabs. I just, I definitely think, you know, because they talked about doing a six-man rotation for a while, and now it's not looking like that's the case, correct? Well, with term, when Turnbull comes back, they probably will. But for now, I, I mean, I, I doubt it. I just – I, the thing I hate, Trent, I hate, I hate watching guys like Norris and Fulmer go out there and throw 45 pitches and they get through two innings and they're done. Yeah, no, and I, I understand that because you have to be patient. I just – I think Fulmer is going to be the guy. It's it's a little unconventional, but I think Fulmer is going to be the guy coming out of the bullpen. Like you know, you you got some of these guys are young. Like Scooble, Scooble could be a mess in his first outing, and, and Fulmer comes in basically pitches like four or five innings. Like you know, well, that's like the Norris and Alexander spot. I thought so. Well, that's fair. That's fair. And again, maybe maybe Fulmer is having a little bit more of an issue than we think. You know, these guys know more than we do, so. Yep. Well, I mean, he hasn't looked great since his injury. Yeah, and, and Rabs, maybe instead of putting him on that pitch count, they're just going to try this approach instead where you just, you know, it's a steady diet from the bullpen. Who knows? Well, if they're going to – I'm it very might, curious. It his career. It really might. It might be what he needs to kind of take some pressure off and turn it around. Well, I think – so he was so productive for a couple of years. I think regardless of what happens this year, there will be another organization that takes a shot on him. Like I just I that, that's just kind of how this stuff works I right. think but um I'm really interested if Scooball first of all I don't know if Mize is like actually making the team I know it seems like that but like it's kind of weird to me that they didn't announce Mize is also on the team too well right, right? If, like if he doesn't make it though I think we all know he's gonna end up there at some point this no season. no no I know he is I just I, I I don't necessarily know if he's on that opening day roster fair. Because I, I they it's been they've like Rap said they've been super weird about it. We talked about it before the show even started today. When he's even on the roster, like I, who knows? But like, I mean, maybe I I could see them trying to use Fulmer like they did Norris and Alexander last year, and maybe like give Fulmer a spot start or two. But like you said, Rabs, if this was the plan all along, and I know they have a different manager now. But they still have the same management. What what was the point of last year doing that? It was stu- like you're right, Rabs. And, and the grand stream of things like that was stupid. Like to, I mean, you're you're putting a guy on a pitch count who's not even going to throw that many pitches as a reliever. So I don't. I mean, yeah, it didn't make sense. I don't know. And and I, Daniel Norris too, who's on a bit who's on a bit of a pitch count. But look, honest to God, man, like we we talk about the the ha- having that great problem of like. Now that all these arms are starting to make their way in, like your Mannings and your Burroughs and your Funkhauser, and those are guys who I don't know how many of those guys will make the roster out of camp. But, you know, at a certain point, like if, if you can't if you can't get a guy innings in your starting rotation, I mean, you can throw him in the bullpen and who knows? Like, you know, you got to you got to have to pitch in the late innings. And especially now, too, like the way the game is going, if like starters, starters aren't going seven, eight innings like they're just not so. 
to have guys in the bullpen like a Michael Fulmer who has the arm stamina of a starting pitcher, and same thing with Daniel Norris, um, then I guess I guess all the better. Um, but as far as other suspects in the bullpen, um, Cisnero will be there. Um, Greg Soto will be there, who is great for a little bit of time. Uh, last season, Brian Garcia will be up there. I well, Who's closing games this year? Is I have no idea. Soto? That was one thing that – when you watch sprint training games, I watch like the first five innings and I tune out because you know what I like they usually put in like backups and stuff like that. I haven't really watched any of the bullpen, to be honest. What do you have like that thing up, Rabs, with you? Yeah. The projected starter. It, is Jimenez even on the team? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he is, but th- this has Greg Soto as being the setup man and Garcia being the closer. But with that it says Brian Garcia. I- Confidence lock roll closer not for long. I think Soto like can do Soto it. or Cisnero. I think are guys. Cisnero was good when he uh, last year. I thought he was he was pretty solid last year. I think Soto can do it. I, I'm going to tell you right now that Joe Jimenez his time as a Tiger seems like it's almost Basically kind of done. expiring, like overstaying. Yeah, he he's welcome, but he's he, been so bad. He ain't, he ain't going to get a chance to pitch in the eighth and ninth inning ninth inning this year. I will spare you guys. I will spare you guys some stress, and I will tell you right now. I will be beating the Greg Soto drum all season long to be your closer. He, well, he was fantastic last year. He was. Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of at times he had a great a great start to the year. Okay, okay, look, look, look. I, I get the I Collins. I get the at times thing, but like Joe Jimenez is great at times, and and we've kind of no, seen that. he sucked all last year. Well, and I, I was gonna say we've seen that experiment now kind of run its course, and he's just not good. So, Rabs, you're exactly right. Closer, not for long. Sure, he can be your closer for a little bit, but by 20 games in, Greg Soto better be getting a sh- a shake at the ninth inning. That's, that's I, what's it called? Oh. The thing about Soto is the like at least what I like gather. He's just like they when they kind of figured him out. He's like the danger of like okay, they're either going one two three or there might be a home run that it's hit seven hundred feet. Like he's just because he just throws he throws gas like he really does. But his secondary pitches are not like consistent enough for like any batter to be really worried about it in an at bat. Know what I mean? Yeah. So if like some guy sits on it, like see ya. Like that, like that, that's what you're getting with Soto, but like still it's hard to hit 98 up in the zone from a lefty like Soto. So I, I, I agree with you, Trent. I think that's the direction they want to go, but I, I could see that. I could see Garcia, like you said, Rabs and Cisnero getting a sniff at it just before they kind of hand the reins over to Soto, because I don't think he might be their closer of the future, but I don't think they want to hurt his confidence throwing in number too early before he's ready. Because I do think he like if he can get anything of a secondary pitch, like a decent, I think he throw, his slider's not awful, or he could like kind of mix in a changeup. I don't know if he. Th- I thought he threw a changeup. I don't know. I, like I, every single time he's in there, he's just pumping fastballs. So he's I don't even know what fastball slider. But that's kind of I feel like most closers these days are just throwing a hundred and five and is and a wipeout slider. The thing with Brian Garcia is he walks so many guys, and I, I don't think the trend has changed all that much. Every dad in Detroit will be having heart attacks. I Get this guy out of here. Just throw strikes. Are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, I think I think Jimenez has a bit more of an of an arsenal of pitches than Soto does, but I, I haven't – I mean, I'm trying to just think of, like, Joe Jimenez, like, getting guys out on secondary pitches. I just feel like he just doesn't. So it's like to me, it's I mean, it's it's Soto. It should be Soto. 
and I'm sure it will in due time. But as you said, it's all that's that's the thing you have to understand. And it's what's incredible about Major League Baseball and the sport of baseball in general and how good these hitters have gotten is like you put anyone you put anyone at the play like, like the best closers in the game like five to ten years ago. If you could throw like 95 to like touch 100, you're like elite. But now it's just gotten to a point where it's like everyone can catch up to the fastball. You have to have a secondary pitch. And if you don't have a secondary pitch, then you got, I mean, like, like we don't need you out here. It's great that you throw a hundred, but what do you got for number two? You know how you, you know how you ensure that you're going three up, three down every inning, the shift, you do the shift, the shift, very tongue in cheek. Of course. I hate the shift. We talked about it on here, but Hey, Hey, I have one thing I want to bring up unless you guys have anything else to talk about. I got nothing else. Collins. What's it called? Um, Tapped out. I for I, last thing about the bullpen, like I don't hate their bullpen. No, I don't either. The bullpen was the the one of the strongest. Like, they were good. Like, they were they were they, at the back after the year they kind of struggled, but like they were pretty solid for the majority of the year. So I'm like, I'm interested to see what the bullpen is like. I weirdly I have more confidence in the bullpen than the starting rotation. Actually, that's not even a weird thing because they're just way better. I agree, year. Collins. I'm actually more excited to see the bullpen starters. I don't because yeah, the starters are like, oh my god, like, Matthew Boyd, Matthew Boyd, a ninety-two mile per hour like fastball. Let's Ooh. see if you can fool him with this fucking <laughs> brutal ass slider, just just hanging over the zone. God, yeah. ugh. I agree. I agree. I'm good. I'm good. I just, I, I'm so excited for this Tigers team because once Michigan State lost, focus immediately shifted to this team. Is that like? Because the Pistons and wins, like, whatever. I watch the Pistons pretty, like, a, not like – I'm not an every-night Pistons – I'm not an every-night Pistons guy just because Fox Sports Detroit is not carried by YouTube TV. That is the only reason I don't watch the Pistons every night. But, like, when I, I watch the Pistons probably, like, once a week, maybe twice a week, I, I, I need to get the competitive juices going again. And the Detroit Tigers will do that for me. And on that front, Collins, I want to talk about this for a second. I was looking at the over-under win totals for your AL Central. Over. The Detroit Tigers are dead last. Let me re- – let me and, and it's criminal. It is criminal. Rabs, you always say you're not going to give gambling advice. I will. Everyone go bet the ranch on the Tigers over 68 wins because the Tigers are going to finish in third in this division. Lock it in. Let, let me give this let – me, let me read you some numbers. Chicago's over-under is 90 and a half. Very, they're a good really? team. Yeah. They're good, though. They are good. No, no, I'm just – I'm reading through them. Minnesota, 89 and a half. That's a little high in my opinion. Cleveland, 81 and a half. Way too high. Way too high. The Cleveland Indians will go under. And they they also shouldn't be named Indians anymore, but that's a different conversation for a different day. The I words. Kansas City Royals, 72. Under. I, I, I don't get it. The tig- And I guess we're going to find out, you know, we're Tiger Slappies, but you're Detroit Tigers, 68 oh, wins yeah. over under. I, I, I can't stress to you how, how important and how, how strongly I feel about this. The Detroit Tigers are finishing in third or fourth in this division, not fifth. Take the over. Take the under on Cleveland. That's all I have to say. By the way, guys, that right there, I forgot I was, like, even on the pod. Like, one of my roommate's girlfriends say, bye, Ryan. I'm like, bye, Aaron. 
<laughs> mid podcast so that <laughs> i didn't even hear you <laughs> uh, i heard it but i acted like nothing happened but we're good Any, anyways anyways and i think you guys all concur with me yes over tigers 68 and 68 wins and under cleveland 81 and a half well under cleveland one, 80 like i actually don't know how they're gonna store runs like who's in their lineup like still ramirez yeah jose ramirez cool I'm sure. Uh, what's his name? Fuck. What's the one? I think. No, no. Name. I. They have like. Like. You know what I'm saying though. Like they're not gonna win 81 games. That's what like, I'm they, saying. They have great. I mean, Bieber is nasty and whatever. But like, they're they'll win a lot of games through pitching. But uh, they're not winning 81 games. The Tigers over the 68. Cleveland, I will take because I'm a slappy though. The the Cleveland Indians might finish in last place this season. That's all. No, they it, won't. They yes, won't. The they Royals might. stink. The the Indians are selling everyone. Well, I don't. Who they have? They still have good pitching. They still have good pitching, so I stick by that. Okay, I have. If you're an Indians fan, you're just like, oh, we had Kluber, Clevenger, uh, Miller, Andrew Miller. He was unbelievable. And and what's it called? Who else did they have? They had Bauer. Like they have all these guys that they're strolling through their organization, and I mean, they were there in 2016 to win that win that World Series, but. It's got to suck to be an Indians fan. Like, we talked about Tigers, like, heartbreak. Like, that that stretch of time stinks. But being an Indians fan, it's got to be, like, right up there. Just, just I don't like, know, you know any what? of these players on this team. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Lindor. It's like franchise player. Yeah, we don't want to pay him. No, thank you. Like, I would add, if I was, like, a fan, like, if the Tigers did that to someone like Lindor, I don't, like, I don't even know how you root for the team. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they, they did it to Cassianos. <laughs> okay, Trent. Okay, end the podcast. I, I. Let's do the trifecta, then we can get out of here. All right, let's do the trifecta. Welcome in. Thanks for coming, Trent. Trifecta, guys. March is reading month. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, duh. Yes. <laughs> March is reading month, and my my sweet mother, Erin Valley, is a kindergarten teacher, and I get to read to her class via Zoom on Friday. So there you go. I am reading Pete the Cat in the Big Easter Adventure. I drove to Barnes & Noble to pick this out for the kids. I hope they enjoy it. My question for you guys is, do you have a, you know, kind of trademark children's book from your childhood that you love? That's, go just, Dog. Go Dog Go. I love that book. Okay. All right. Go Dog Go from college. I was a big Sue guy. I love the, I, I love the doctor. Me too. Me too. Raps, exactly. you? Um, uh, Magic Treehouse series. Well, okay, those are like chapter books, though. Oh, you're you're uh, you're talking like child, like, like children's books, like I'm the Seuss Man. Ooh, ooh, very hungry caterpillar. Oh, that's a great one. That's, that's a solid bad. one. The Where the wild wings things go, whatever that one is, that's a solid the wild one. wings go. <laughs> oh, I mean, I wasn't a big where reader, the wild to be things are. <laughs> that, that, that I mean, I I I, I mean. Where the wild ones go, to go, to go, the wild wings go. Like when everyone else did reading, they're like, Ryan, go upstairs. You got to learn how to read better. So, <laughs> Okay. Thank you for your cooperation on that question. Question number two, little basketball March Madness, circle it back. Which non-one seed do you think is the best chance to actually win this thing now that, you know, all these upsets have happened? Alabama, but they're Alabama, so I don't know if they'll actually win it. It's just Hang like on, a school you can't like see them winning a title, but I think Alabama. Okay, I've got Houston. For some reason, I, I watched them play, and I'm, I'm all in on Houston. I love Rutgers Blue. Uh, Trent, I, I – Collins, sometimes – It broke my heart, that game. 
it broke my heart into pieces. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I just love – I like Houston. I like the way they play. They're defensive. They're, they're gritty. They're on the floor. Their best know. player, his name's escaping me, played through an injury that entire game. It's just great. Yeah, that was not that was that was a good game. I don't know. I don't believe in Houston. I think it's Bama. I mean Arkansas. I like Arkansas too, but Okay. I like Arkansas. 40 minutes. I like ago. Oregon. I mean, Oregon looked awesome against Iowa. Yeah, but you're also a Peyton Pritchard stand. So you just kind of Well, what's it called? I didn't like if you look at their thing, my cousin told me this the other day. It said when all their players are healthy, like they've been banged up all year, they're 13 and 2. So, I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Numbers. Numbers, Collins. Raps. That's not um, one seed left. Who is it? I was going to say Oregon, but I think that they're, they have to play Gonzaga eventually, right? So, they're yeah, USC um, or – even though I, I don't know. USC might beat Oregon. Um, I was going to say Oregon, but I don't, I don't know if their longevity is quite there. Um, so, I will go to my back burner here. I'm just looking at them. I'm just looking at them. Where are they? Oregon, just Oregon. That's it. I'm right. sorry, Oregon. Okay. I think USC, USC, if they play Gonzaga, that'd be an interesting game because as good as like Gonzaga's guards are, like for their offense to be like what they are, they need like Timmy to be Timmy. And I think Evan Mobley could take Timmy out of the game. I so. think he could too. That's Gonzaga's one Achilles heel a little bit is their size. I think if they play a team, yeah, like USC. Or yeah, Michigan, I hate to say it, like they could really neutralize some of the Gonzaga. Well, I think Michigan would be interesting because I think they could guard their guards better than most people. And yeah. then Dickinson and Timmy, that would be a battle. But I don't know. I, Michigan, Michigan's going to have trouble with Florida State. And then they're if they beat Florida State, they're going to have trouble with, with Alabama, I think. I don't know. But, well, I mean. I concur. Michigan has good guards. And Just the way they played back. against LSU, I mean. They they had March medal there. As much as I hate to say it, they played tough. And it's they have livers. Is livers coming back? I mean, LSU, no, livers is done. He's not playing. But I mean, Shawty Brown, if he's gonna give you seventeen points, I don't think it matters. He was so good in that game. Yeah. Hey, hey. Also, you know, if he's gonna step out of bounds on a baseline drive and they're not gonna call it, that that'll that'll work. <laughs> Whatever. I, I'm salty. I loved LSU. Question number three to round out the trifecta. That we can all go home and well, we're at home. Go to right. bed. Um. Are you going to gamble on the Detroit Tigers this season? Yes, every game. Every game? Eh, I don't know about every game. I did last year every game, but that was they were they were profitable. That's why I did profitable on the money line. Okay, Rabs. By the end of the season, they had to break even probably, but like there was that one stretch where they lost like twelve games in a row, and I was like, I probably should stop doing this, but it it all worked itself out. All right, Rabs. What do you think? I will. I. I will bet them uh, – I'll bet the over win total for sure. Um, as far as, like, betting every game, uh, no. How about first this? Inning, yeah. First inning over one and a half runs. Oh, well, I will I will take opening day. I will take the lead – I'll throw some money on the leadoff hitter putting the ball into the Renaissance Center. I was – Rabs, I was just going to say, why bet every game? Well, you could bet every five games and take the other team's money line. What matters I look, I, I hate to be that guy because I try to be positive. These guys are professional athletes. Matthew Boyd is a good man, but they made a huge mistake by not trading him in that year. We know, we know. (laughs) (laughs) And there is nothing he has shown me since that makes me believe that he will be any better than he has been since that year. So 
any you wanna anytime anytime the Tigers are are, are playing with Matthew Boyd on, on the mound to start, I would take the other team to win to be up. To, what is it, the first five or whatever? Like leading after the first five every time. Just so you know. All right. Well, that concludes the trifecta. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Excellent. Well, this should be out on the Thursday, which is a week before opening day. Looking forward to it. April and the D is upon us. They're getting fans. In April. April. <laughs> April and the D. All right. We're going to wrap it okay, up sorry. so we don't have to hear any more of that. <laughs> That's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trump Alley and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. So any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown rundown page. Don't miss a single episode guys. We're on Apple podcasts and we're on Spotify new episodes every single week. We will see you next time.